3: Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Hello and welcome to the MMQB NFL Podcast. I'm Gary Granley.
5: And I'm Connor Orr.
4: And we have arrived at the Show for the People. Yes! The Show for the People is the Woo. Mock Draft Show. Part Let's one. Let's go. Part one. Part 2 is even more for the people really because I feel in part 2 we're going to go down to because we we make one pick for every team and we do we, you know we we rule no no trade ups trade downs I know that's not realistic but uh, mock drafts are not meant to be realistic but we're going to go down to pick 102 where the dolphins first select so that's really for the people in part 2 so this is sort of for the people next show is I, really for the people
5: I will say we are the most audience centric egalitarian football podcast in existence Agreed. Um, Agreed. most people will just talk at you and they're not going to get into the second round of the mock uh or the third round or if you're uh the rams like the ninth round whenever they have a pick but we're gonna do that for you all of you out there driving your cars and just pretending that we're not important in your lives you know stop Mm. doing that this is what we're here for for you And if you ever wondered about the
4: awkward pauses in this show, that's just not a lack of chemistry between me and Connor. We are actually (laughs) creating some space for you to to chime in. (laughs) Choose your
5: own adventure, folks. Uh, All these years I thought it was because you hated me. This
0: is good. All
4: right, here's how we're doing it. This is Mock Draft Show Part 1. We are going to, as I said, do all 32 teams over the course of this series. Uh, we're going to split up 16 teams. 16 teams. That means some teams have two picks uh, in this show, and that's just the way it is. We are actually going from the Jaguars at 1 down to the Patriots at 21. The rule is, really the only rule in this is, we're not going to do trade-ups. We're not going to do trade-downs. We'll just say right at the top, everyone wants a trade-down, and... Probably not a lot of teams will be able to. We will, between me and Connor, we used to do it. We used to say, you know, okay, one guy is like the GM and one guy is like the coach. We are actually, we're creating positions at every franchise that are just coach slash GM, but but co-coach slash GM. So we're both, you know, we'll see how that hierarchy works out, but we're both going to do both
5: jobs, Connor. If you're up for I'm, it. I'm extremely confident that uh, this won't result in some sort of explosive power struggle uh, uh, resulting in both of our firings. <laughs> and the other thing to note is
4: we're going to come to a consensus on a draft prospect to pick for each team. In the event we don't, in the very unlikely event we don't, we're just going to say the tiebreakers are uh, Connor gets odd number picks i get even number picks to just bang the gavel and say that's it uh the uconn quarterback room is all going to the lions at pick number
5: two hey we got a potential husky uh in the first round by the way we do so
4: i'm just absolutely first overall i don't know (laughs) (laughs)
5: let's
4: let's find out all right, so here we are, Jacksonville Jaguars, pick number one, uh, as we will do with all teams. We're going to start with draft needs, and as we know, during a free agency, the Jaguars did address the offense in, in a multitude of ways. However, they still kind of need everything. If you were going to do draft needs on this team, I don't know what you settled on for your draft needs column, Connor but like it's kind of everything but quarterback still.
5: Yeah, so I have a complaint, and then I have the answer to your question. So yep. I just ha- I just pulled up my draft needs column um, mm-hmm. to to re- just refresh what I wrote. And editor Mitch Goldich has a very specific um, borderline psychopathic order where if we write about all 32 teams, the divisions have to be in alphabetical order, and then the city uh, uh, or the nickname has to be in alphabetical order within the alphabetical order of the divisions. So um, I'm I'm pulling this up to be like, okay, what do the Jaguars need? And have to scroll like ninety percent down to the post. You know, Jaguars are picking first; they should be first. But you know, we're 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 at the mercy of Mitch's uh, alphabet alpha, alphabetization obsession. So
4: whoa,
5: you know, I it, never
4: I I will say this in Mitch's defense: I never considered that. Uh, I've always just seen the standings as AFC East, AFC North. AFC South, AFC West. I never realized that was alphabetical until now. I thought it was like geographical.
5: Yeah. What's hmm. your favorite? What's your favorite compass pneumatic device? North, South, East, and West. Never eat shredded wheat. You like that? one? I don't
4: think I ever had one.
5: <laughs> no. <laughs> North, East, South, West. Never eat shredded wheat. You never did that. No, because wow. it's, it's just the four of them. It's just four directions.
4: <laughs> so I figure, <laughs> I think I just remember them. As long as I, I can remember here.
5: So, tell, tell everybody you went to school in rural Pennsylvania without telling everyone you went to school in rural Pennsylvania. We needed a pneumatic device to remember four things on a compass. Uh, all right. But the Jaguars, so I'll, uh, here's what I have their needs. I, I think they need offensive line help. Um, I think they need an edge rusher, another edge rusher to pair with Josh Allen. I think they need wide receiver help. I think they need cornerback help uh i think they need badly need uh two inside linebackers off ball linebackers and they need some sort of and they're obviously not going to do this here with the first round pick but they need some sort of functional support tight end like i think in the world where dave gettleman doesn't exist and he picks josh allen where he was supposed to pick josh allen and doesn't pick daniel jones the jaguars would have Pick TJ Hawkinson. I'm like ninety nine percent sure on that. Yeah. Um, so they would have had the guy that could block and receive. Now they have Evan Ingram. That's not gonna help. Um, but they're not gonna do that here with the number one overall pick. Unless Gary's got a compelling argument for a tight end here at number one overall. <laughs> for Trey McBride at number one overall. I do I do <laughs> yes. not
4: I do not. No, look, it's it's interesting. We're not going to talk about it because uh, we've already done the Jaguars in the first round pick, but they do hold obviously the first pick, of the second round. So th- those are options right there. But you're probably looking right at the at the at the edge guys. Uh, that would be Aiden Hutchinson and apparently Travon Walker. The, the betting markets are really uh, in on Travon Walker here as a legitimate number one overall pick candidate. I, he was a guy. I mean, gosh, I remember watching the national title game and thinking like, man, if, if I could get this guy like 14th overall, that would be great value at the draft. He's he probably has as good a chance as anyone to become a star in this class. But uh, man, it's been it's been quite the draft season rise here for Trevon Walker out of Georgia. Uh, if you're going offense, you're probably not looking at the receivers here at number one overall uh, from a value standpoint, not to mention it is I don't think it's as exciting uh, sort of a top of the class for the receivers but uh it is a good deep class and and you know I'm sure the Jaguars are thinking day two uh at that spot but uh you're probably looking at Aiden Hutchinson or uh Travon Walker if you're going defense or if you're going offense it's it's Ike or it's Evan Neal
5: yeah um you make a good point on Walker uh it reminds me a little bit of um 2019. Uh, The Kyler Murray draft where do you remember what player it was about this time? It was about the same time that uh, Walker started soaring up draft boards to be a potential number one pick. We'd Quinn and Williams, right, who was in conversation for the number one overall pick Mm -hmm. back when Steve Kime was doing a god awful job pretending they weren't going to bury Josh Rosen. Um, And then there was Ed Oliver. I don't know if you remember that, but there was like that surge of of mock draft energy with Ed Oliver. And I think that came from very rampant disagreements within the Jets coaching uh, staff and their personnel staff at the time. Yeah. Um, But I think some of them liked Ed Oliver more than Quinn Williams. And then that pushed Ed Oliver up to like three. And then it was like, well, is Ed Oliver better than Quinn and Williams? And and you know, and so I think we had that kind of energy there. I'm not taking Walker anywhere near number one. I'm with you. that I think he's a teens guy to me. Um, but I, ha- I mocked Evan Neal, and I'm going to let you debate me on this. Um, here's why I picked Evan Neal. A couple things. I checked with some people, some NFL folks. Uh, Cam Robinson can play guard. He'd probably be a pretty good guard. Okay. Um, you yeah. know, it, or... Evan Neal can play guard for a year. And while it would be weird for him to do that, um, you could view that as like a developmental process. Then you let Cam Robinson go, or you see what he's got at guard and you extend him at guard because he's on the franchise tag. And then you have three really good offensive linemen for Trevor Lawrence. Um, I think that Evan Neal, and the reason I I would take Neal over Icky in this situation um, is that Icky, I think, is a better tackle, if you're like Green Bay, Tennessee, if you're going to be running more of an active, you know, uh, stretchy run game, Mm -hmm. I think Doug Peterson does a lot of pro-style hero ball kind of stuff, deep drops, and I think Neil is probably your anchor left tackle for that. You know, like, I've seen him, you know, just I mean, he's got that first step kick, he's able to just hang in there and wrestle really good edge rushers, and I, f- I would feel really good about locking him in at pick number one. that said we've you and I have talked about this uh Aiden Hutchinson is probably the safe pick but I don't know if they're creative enough to make that work same with Walker
4: no I'm look I'm on board with Evan Neal here uh I think if you are the Jaguars and you are in the uh, basically state that the franchise is currently in uh, first and foremost you're just building around the quarterback and you kind of just figure out with the defense later. I mean, you you do it, <laughs> you look at what the Chiefs do every year by, uh, you know, they're they're pretty good in the front seven, and then they just fill out the cornerback group with uh, whoever they find in, in terms of street free agents who got let go elsewhere. So I'm on board with that, I, I and I'm fine with Evan Neal. I think for the reasons you put forward, Evan Neal is, you know, it, the shorthand you're going to give here is, uh, Iki is probably the more valuable guy in the run game. I think you trust Evan Neal more in pass protection early on, even if certainly Ekwanu, maybe in three years, we look back and, and see his development and, and see that he's surpassed Neal in that area. But Neal seems like a good mix of the safe and the, uh, I don't know, the logical as far as how you want to build this team.
1: Yeah,
5: I mean, so Albert Breer, uh, our colleague, we, you and I know who Albert is. Um, he <laughs> wrote for for the website um, that uh, there was a perception around the league that Trent balky was concerned about how he would be viewed if he didn't take the guy that everybody just assumes that he should be taking. Right. Mm. And I, it was funny. I ran this by a couple of NFL folks while I was kicking around my Evan Neal number one idea. And what I got back, which I thought was interesting, was what would be more sellable to your fan base, a defensive end or a franchise left tackle for your franchise quarterback? Like, yeah, I, I mean, if you're concerned at all about perception, what would be the easiest thing to turn around and to tell people that you did? You know? Yep. I mean, left tackle from Alabama faced everybody he needed to face in the SEC played. They played Georgia twice. Right. I want to say. Yes. Is that accurate? That is correct. Um, yeah. Um, played well against Georgia twice, if I'm not mistaken. Um, so, okay. Here you go. Um, but again, I could be wrong, but I like Evan Neal at number one. Let's do it. There you go.
0: Woo.
1: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: Evan Neal to the Jaguars to start off this mock draft, and we are on to number two, uh, the Detroit Lions, who they got, you know, they got a potential franchise left tackle last year in Panay Sewell. They're really, except for the quarterback position, I think you'd feel pretty good about what they have built for like an infrastructure on offense here, maybe a little more, explosiveness in the offensive, uh, excuse me, in, in the wide receiver core. But, uh, you know, it seems like this is still a franchise that is recovering from a very specific kind of rebuild under, uh, the previous regime where they were sort of getting their Patriots style guys in there and it didn't quite work out. And now they're trying to get, uh, you know, guys who are maybe a little more dynamic.
5: Yeah, I mean, I like the Lions offensively. Um I'm a big uh Amon Ra Saint Brown fan. Uh mm-hmm. I love DJ Shark. Um so and TJ Hawkinson I think is going to de- I think he might have like a not like a like a baby Gronk season this year, you know? Okay. Kind of like I think he'll have like a baby Gronk kind of season this year. And so um and their offensive line is fantastic. I mean, your your worst offensive lineman might be big V you know um, which is a really good place to be um, if you're the Lions Um, so that said I think if you're Dan Campbell you're looking for two things I mean so for their needs I have them at quarterback obviously defensive interior like they need help at the tackle spots they're desperately thin at tackle Um, they're desperately thin at off ball linebacker they need safety help they need cornerback help I don't know if the market matches the availability here, um, but I would say that they could also probably use a pass rusher to pair with Romeo Aquara, too.
4: Yeah, I think we're looking at here is... is
5: You're like Charles Harris right now.
4: Yeah, presumably Aiden Hutchinson, if he is their top edge rusher on the board here. Or, uh, look, I think this is an interesting spot for Kyle Hamilton, kind of like we talked about on the last show, though you have to have a defense coordinator who has a plan for maximizing Kyle Hamilton other than just saying, well, he's really good and big and athletic and and we'll figure it out. Uh, you have to take advantage of, of all the things he can do. Otherwise it doesn't make sense to take him this high in the draft. Uh, so I don't know. In short, I think those are the two guys you're looking at here.
5: Yeah, I, I would say, you know while this doesn't necessarily come into play here i think that the lions are clumsy and image conscious enough to let a tiebreaker tip in favor of you know we need a guy like you know i think what aiden hutchinson was like born in dearborn you know he's from Mm. the state like local kid like i do think that there's some intrinsic value in that as well and i you know if Dan Campbell's got a choice between the guy with the Braveheart eye black and the guy without the Braveheart eye black, like I think, I think he's going to be biased in one direction. I'm just saying.
4: I'll go with that. No, I, I, like I'm it. with you on that. So Aiden Hutchinson is our pick to the Lions. The Michigan edge rusher uh, goes number two overall, which brings us to the Texans, who I just find that— I mean, I find the Texans— fascinating for a number of reasons. But uh, specifically, kind of the the way you're going to mesh Nick Casario, uh, who is obviously Patriots background. Uh, we know how they build their defenses there. Uh, versatility is very big. I, if if Nick Casario were starting a team from scratch with no coach in place, I would think this is a really, uh, really logical spot for Kyle Hamilton. Now, I don't want to overstate this because Lovey Smith did diversify their coverages uh, just a little bit last year. But He is mostly a guy who, you know, you're going to you're going to do your split safety looks. You're going to hope your pass rush gets home. And uh, that's that's just kind of how you live here. So with the coach there, I don't know how much sense Hamilton makes for reasons that we've uh, mentioned, uh, I don't know, three minutes ago. However, I really think that's kind of guy who would intrigue Nick Casario.
5: I think if the if the Texans make a pick at the behest of what is or if the Texans make a pick with their head coach's interest first and foremost in mind, I will buy a pool, fill it with vanilla pudding and swim in it on draft night. Um and I'll put it on YouTube. Uh I don't think <laughs> there's any chance that like like I bet just for appearance, they would like, can you imagine if um, David Cully had been like, yeah, it'd be great if we would draft this guy. And they'd be like, OK, guy. And they just <laughs> kick him out of the room. Like, are we, are we thinking they're going to treat Lovey Smith any differently? I, I, I don't think so. They they have some sort of nebulous plan that doesn't involve Lovey Smith, that doesn't involve anybody in there right now, except for like two or three people in the front office. And so I think they're going to take BPA, you know? Um, my draft needs for the Texans, just in case anybody was wondering: quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, cornerback, defensive line, edge rusher, linebacker, and safety. So, pretty good. They need just a, just about everything. Pretty good spot. No,
4: I I do like the thought of uh David Cully previously or, or Levy Smith now. Uh, you know, like the Poochie episode and Homer comes in with the suggestions <laughs> for retooling it. Poochie <laughs> should be louder, angrier, and have access to a time machine.
1: <laughs> and it's like, OK,
4: great. Why don't you leave and slip those ideas under the door and we'll take a look at them later. Uh, so, yeah, I look, I think Kyle Hamilton is. He's got to be someone that that Nick Casario is looking at and saying, you know, this is this is the kind of guy we built around uh, in New England and, and could be that sort of uh, franchise cornerstone piece for them here. I don't know if there's anyone else who sort of piques your interest here at this point
5: uh i mean in my mock draft so i i had kyle hamilton sinfully low i I had him dropping out of the tens because you know and i think i got caught up in sort of the pre-draft nonsense where you are hearing a refrain from a lot of executives um that are leaking out into the general public that like safeties aren't just aren't that valuable right and and we don't Mm -hmm. want safeties but my guess is that might also be somebody who wants it kyle hamilton to fall to them you know um so i i mean we were talking about kyle hamilton being the best player in this draft months ago and i think that's how the draft always comes about right it always comes full circle where opinions aren't really changed between then and now i mean i think he's still one of the best players in this draft it's just a matter of where he goes i would say my only other option there is you might go icky because you're going to get rid of Laramie Tunsell at some point here, you know, um, the money's going to run out there or you're going to have to resign him. You're going to need a right tackle anyway. You don't really have one. And you might kind of be hot on, on Davis Mills, uh, at this point. Like, I think he played pretty okay last year, but, um, I'm up for having my mind changed on this. Like I, I would love, to, you know, Kyle Hamilton at three is, uh, I, I like that a lot.
4: It's like, if you are going to say, League wide, it's going to be a medium-term, medium-term trend at least. To you know, just keep on giving these split safety looks. Uh, then I can buy that. I can buy that Hamilton will slip in this draft. Equanu uh, is just really interesting to me because, I mean, we know the Texans have, you know, loaded up with uh, seventeen running backs on the depth chart. They obviously want to run the ball. Everyone wants to run the ball, but they they really want to invest in the run game here. Uh, he would make sense. I mean, this is the kind of offense that that you would philosophically drop him into and, and probably be pretty pleased with that. So I can uh I can get on board with that.
5: Why don't we do what the Texans are probably going to do and Jack Easterby and just flip a coin in the air and decide. uh, No, I'm just kidding. Uh, (laughs) It's
4: it's it's Brees Hall on one side and Kenneth Walker on the other.
5: And (laughs) whoever comes Uh, up. Yeah, I will. I will exercise my odd number rights then on this one. And um, gosh, this is a tough call. Um, I don't know, because here's what's interesting about the Texans. Um, I, li- I listened to Nick Casario talk at Sloan uh, last year mm-hmm. and he was asked about the next forefront in analytics and he was saying something about like, and his answer was very different than say like a uh, Paul Di Podesta, right? Where I think they're analytically minded, but in very different ways. So Nick Casario I think is the guy who could, Draft the safety, whereas I don't think Paul D. Podesta is the guy who would draft the safety. If that makes sense, right? And I think analytics guys kind of fall into some different camps there. So let's go, Kyle Hamilton. I like it. Okay, you know it is
4: your constitutional right to exercise the odd number pick here. I you could have gone with your guy, but uh, I appreciate that. I will not pay it back. I just want to make clear this was that's not, okay uh,
5: because then it's all then it would just also just be my um it would just be the first three picks of my mock draft which uh someone on twitter said was uh inarguably the worst mock draft ever written uh yeah which i mean you don't hear that often so i mm. you know yeah no t- <laughs>
4: t- totally right and that's something people should be rating the quality of a mock draft here uh <laughs> yeah kyle hamilton to the texans here and it, look i it's interesting that you brought up the not, not to get too off track here but the analytics, uh, you know, sort of approach here. You could look at Paul DePodesta and say, "Well, his Brown team just invested big money two running backs, and that's that's very, that's very unanalytic of him." So, you know, True. Uh, might be a a case of you know being even more forward looking, forward looking past the forward looking people, and uh, and finding some inefficiencies here that way. So, Kyle Hamilton. To the Texans, and that brings us to the Jets. Uh, the first of their two picks in the top ten, and again, for the purposes of this show, we will be making both those picks for the Jets rather than trading down or trading out or whatever. But uh, yeah, this this Jets team. The thing that's really interesting to me is, you know, as we you know praise them for, and and we like seeing it, they have invested in the offensive line. I'm not sure it's quite worked. And on top of that, they've also, they're trying to build around Zach Bills and they've, they've invested in the receiving core, but I'm not sure they have a true number one. Uh, so it's kind of like you've tried, but you haven't quite satisfied that need over the past, uh, off season or two. If you're Joe Douglas.
5: Yeah. And I'm worried too, that like, I mean, McKay Beckton is just not an outside zone tackle. He's just not, you mm-hmm. know? And, and I don't know if he's ever gonna be. And I don't know what you end up doing there because he looked good that first year in the in a different offense. Mm-hmm. But I think he's uncomfortable. I think he's gonna get hurt a lot if you keep asking him to move laterally like as much as they're gonna ask him to move. To me, that's why I have tackle as one of their draft needs, just because and and the class is rich with that, you know. And and I think they want they want to come out of here with an edge, a corner, a wide receiver. Yeah, an edge and a corner a wide receiver and, and a tackle. And they have the draft capital to do that, you know, so it's just kind of what order you're gonna go in. There's I my thought process is that Robert Sala would probably prefer to wait on corner and safety because he knows he can do it um, mm-hmm. schematically, and you would be more aggressive on edge and offensive tackle. That would be my thought process.
4: No, it's kind of that Seattle style defense pride. You know, mm-hmm. we can we can find the inefficiency and get those guys. That's how that Seahawks Legion of Boom defense was built. They got all those guys, uh, except for Earl Thomas. They they got all those uh, cornerbacks. You know, day two, day three, and you know, it. Uh, yeah, does a Sauce gardener fit what Robert Sala does? Absolutely. But I don't know. Is it as, is it is as neat when you have to take him fourth overall?
5: I don't know. Exactly.
4: Uh, If you're looking at our sort of top remaining here, and and by the way, we should mention we are just shamelessly uh, cribbing Daniel Jeremiah's list as a loose guide here. But uh, Iki Ekwanu is probably... uh, Boy, I mean, you're you're falling off quite a bit once you get past him. Uh, You're entering sort of the Charles Cross, uh, Trevor Penning... um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a pretty big gap there. I don't know if they can wait till ten uh, to address that that offensive line spot.
5: Yeah, uh, that's kind of my thought process too. I mean, and like you said, Aquanu fits what they want to do system wise. You can put him at right tackle for the first little bit, and then you can move him over. Um, you know, then you have some flexibility with George Fant too. So mm-hmm. I, I I like that. I mean. And they're going to want to come out of this with no excuses on Zach Wilson. And I think that this this gives them no excuses on Zach Wilson. All right. Number four pick to the Jets, Iki Ekwanu,
4: the offensive tackle out of NC State, which uh, we, we stay in East Rutherford now, with the Giants who pick fifth, and then we'll pick again at seven. And uh, I don't know, a lot of the... <laughs> A lot of the issues that plague teams at the top of this draft are plaguing the Giants. And that's kind of everything right now, except as far as this show is concerned, the quarterback position.
5: Yeah, I mean, you know, they're not going to replace Daniel Jones now. uh, But here's so here's what I think is interesting. During the mock draft, I mocked a off ball linebacker to the Giants with I had them trading back with the seventh pick and picking an off ball linebacker, um, which they haven't done, I believe since, uh, um, since, uh, it's like Harry Carson
4: or something ridiculous.
5: Like I think that, it's right? Harry Carson or it was, um, it's either Harry Carson or, uh, was it Carl Banks? One of those Carl two banks? Yes. Yeah, sorry. Was Carl it banks. banks. No, it, it might not up. have been. You Rude. no, you might be right. Um, but I think it was either Carl Banks or, or Harry, uh, Harry Carson. Um, let me uh, – well, Carl Banks was picked third overall. Wow. Um, and uh, Harry Carson was uh, – a, 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 a fourth round pick. Okay, so it was Carl Banks. Yeah. Um, but – so everyone's like, oh, well, the Giants don't do this. Well, the Giants don't do this. Here's what you should keep in mind for this draft if you're a Giants fan. The Giants are going to do a lot of things that they haven't ever done before. And I think one of the reasons why – their, uh, they did what they did was that someone finally came in there during the GM process, hiring process, maybe multiple people, and said, this thing is hot garbage. Like, you have to melt it down. And, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman did not say that after Jerry Reese kind of mucked it up a little bit. Um, and uh, no one wanted to tell, I think, the Maras and Tishas that, like, hey, this is bad. Uh, and so I think they're going to need a lot of things. And so Giants fans, for some reason, always seem to find me and be like, well, this isn't what we do. We're the Giants and we do this. And well, you're going to do a lot of things this year in the draft that you haven't done before, uh, including maybe draft some good players. So,
4: yep. Yep. I think Joe Shane probably has a little more say on that than the, I don't know, historical legacy of, of the Giants at this point, but <laughs> Uh, if you are looking at this, I, what what do you, I mean, sauce Gardner, is sort of the yep. top guy left on the board, also Trevon Walker, uh, and then, uh, Jermaine Johnson, if you're going sort of a, a, pure, uh, edge burner type.
5: If you're, if you're the giants, I would say if you're even remotely planning on, well, so you went out and you got wink Martindale this off season, right? Yep. Um, and do you get Wink Martindale because you like Wink Martindale, and you think, and you don't want to pressure defense, but you just like Wink Martindale, or did you get Wink Martindale because you want to pressure defense? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's going to be interesting. But I mean, I think James Bradbury, they're going to trade him at some point, or they're trying to get rid of, uh, they're trying to take care of that um, whole situation. I think if you're going to even remotely consider a pressure defense, which you might, because you're you're dead on the edges like you you don't have any edge presence right now um then maybe you go sauce gardener because it's like okay at some point i can lock down one side of the field or at least i would like to think that's the idea of it right i mean the ravens always needed those tight cornerbacks you know Yeah, and uh i think that's what i think i had them taking sauce gardener just because it's like okay you know Do you gamble again on the edge market here? Maybe. I mean, Joe Shane just came from Buffalo where they took like nine edge guys in two years. You know, So that could be part of their philosophy too. I don't know.
4: Tremont Walker, as a sort of multifaceted, versatile player, I mean, he would fit in a Wink Martindale defense here. But I kind of sided with your first instinct, which is if you look back at what happened with that Ravens defense last year and why it all fell apart, it's because they lost all of their cornerbacks, and you also just had a series of just, you know, brutal coverage busts over the course of the year. But they couldn't cover was the issue. I mean, that's why Wink Martindale is not in Baltimore anymore. So uh, I think Sauce Gardner makes plenty of sense here with the with the number five pick,
5: and just so much potential with bad New York Post headlines. You know, uh, yes. which is which is what you want. You know. Applesauce, come on, applesauce. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm not, I'm not telling you. Big applesauce. I'm not, I'm not telling you not to do that.
4: Yeah, Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, you lost Joe Judge. You lost all the judge puns. Uh, You can't do anything with Dable. You gotta give, gotta give the tabloids what they need.
5: Applesauce, come on, baby. It's too good. It's okay.
1: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's
4: go on to the Panthers at number six. And we're sitting here in late April, and the Panthers have still not figured out their quarterback situation. I, I think the question is, do you take a swing here? Or do you say, you know what? We don't really like any of these guys. We are going to let this thing pass. Maybe if someone's sitting there in, in day two, uh, we take a crack at it. But uh, let's just let this thing go, and uh, we'll get involved in, like, the Baker Mayfield thing.
5: Boy, I don't know. I Here's what I would say, and this is a defeatist attitude because <laughs> David, Tepp, David yep. Tepper did keep Matt Rule, so maybe he's hoping it works out. Um, but, man, like... I mean, you were mad enough at him at some point last year to kind of put the coaching community on high alert that there might be a change, you know? And so Mm -hmm. are you going to let that guy pick a quarterback that then the next GM and coach is going to have to inherit and be pissed off about, and it's already a bad quarterback class? Like, I don't know. That said, um, Ben McAdoo did a better job with Eli Manning than any of those guys at the end. Uh, I think Eli Manning had like his best career year statistically with Ben McAdoo. Yeah, um, he might be okay with a rookie. I don't know. Um, ben McAdoo said at his press conference he was a big fan of taking swings for the fences. Uh, but boy, do you let him go quarterback here? Like, is that is that the plan? Like, I don't know, man.
4: It's scary tough. to me. No, I, I I hear you, and and that makes that makes a ton of sense uh, because. Gosh, I mean so uh, let, let's say hypothetically let's say it was Malik Willis here what are the Panthers gonna do in 2021 or 20, excuse me 2022 they're probably gonna go four and 13 five and twelve and now everyone's out and you know you're toward the top of the draft and next year's class is better, etc., etc. so you have to have really fallen in love with you know Malik Willis Kenny pickett whoever it might be. Uh, to take them at this spot if you're the Panthers I'm sure as all these teams want to do they would they would be thrilled to be able to trade out of the spot and and figure it out later but uh, if they are saying at six and it's not a quarterback where do they go here
5: oh so my draft needs um I had um they certainly need some offensive line help um I think they need uh, a quarterback, obviously. They need cornerback help. Uh, so, I don't know. I think there's, there are a lot, there's a lot of different places they can go here. Like, I don't know if they would make the leap here and take someone like Derek Stingley um, and you would lock down. I mean, Matt Rule's gone all defense since he's been here mm-hmm. um, and continues to throw resources into the defensive side of the ball outside of what whatever jc horn might become this is a pretty meager secondary um your offensive line is bad outside of uh outside of taylor moten uh i mean your receivers are not great uh you know there's there's a lot you could do here
4: what do you think about making a leap for like a a charles cross at this that's what i
5: had that's what i had in my mock drafts um I had them taking Charles Cross because it's a foundational pick, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, I, I think that that could work out, you know, um, it's funny that you, <laughs> you had that long sigh. And I wonder if that's like the kind of thing that like, you know, like <laughs> Scott Fitterer and Matt Ruhle are doing right now too. It's just yeah. like, gosh, whatever we do is not going to help. It's not going to be enough, you know? Just pass. <laughs> pass uh yeah I mean I'd throw uh you have the even number rights of first refusal here I would either I I would either I'd either say Derek I mean I'm going Derek Stingley Charles Cross I'm not taking a quarterback man like I, I mean if I'm David Tepper like did you see the videos of him in the draft room last year yeah yeah like you think that guy's letting you take a quarterback when it might not make sense I don't think so
4: yeah, the uh, and I realize this is not necessarily a a projection or a prediction of what teams will do, but I just can't imagine them going defense first round again with the caliber of offense they're putting out on the field. Yeah, and I love Derek Stingley, and uh, you know I would take him in the top five here. But uh, let's do Charles Cross, the Mississippi State offensive tackle, to the Panthers, and we'll try and get things right. On the front five, and uh, that brings us back for a second time to the Giants, and well, we hadn't taken cornerback at five. They're still sitting here looking at Trevon Walker as a possibility. And as we mentioned, he is a uh, he's a fit in what Wink Martindale wants to do. Uh, and I don't really know if there's a whole lot else they would do with this spot outside of. Defense again, you're you're probably not going receiver. You have, you know, you just, I, I realized it was a previous regime, but you just gave a big contract to Kenny Galladay. You have a uh, uh, Kadarius Toney in there. Um, I mean, defense defense twice? If it's not defense, it feels like it has to be offensive line.
5: Yeah, and we have the offensive line kind of cleared off the board right now. Um, one of the interesting things that I was thinking about was, you know, Brian Dable helped Josh Allen develop really before the bills offensive line and developed like remember they were like emergency bad when josh allen got there and kind of patched that together as Mm -hmm. they went along and slowly kind of brought josh Allen along with the offensive line i don't know if offensive line is as big of an emergency as giants fans are making it out to be like i think they might want to see some of these guys with a different coach better coaching staff um and see what happens but uh yeah, um I'm going defense again. I mean, this defense is is threadbare and I like Walker. I mean, that's a good um that's a good pick. I had them trading out here, um which is something I would watch for because this is a weird quarterback alley right now, right? So you have mm-hmm. the Panthers at 6 You have the Giants at seven who don't really need anybody. And then you have the Falcons at eight who are definitely taking somebody. The Seahawks at nine who might but probably won't take somebody. And the Commanders at 11 who almost assuredly will take somebody. Um, And so you have that really weird quarterback alley there. I would say, you know, if the Saints were coming up, if the Eagles wanted to come up, um, if the Steelers wanted to come up, that's probably where you got to go to make sure that you get your guy.
4: Absolutely. No, that's going to be, uh, you can take a nap through the first five picks on Thursday night, but, uh, tune in when six rolls around here
5: or, or they would try to get the Giants first, first round pick, right? Cause you'd want to avoid the Panthers too, ideally. Right. Yeah. The, okay. You, you know, but one of those two picks I think could go. Is is all I'm saying. But okay, how how I, long I,
4: how long do people nap for? Four <laughs>
5: picks. <laughs> how long is your average nap? Now I got it down to about twenty minutes. Oh boy! I it,
4: if I want a quick one, I I do it on the floor. If it's the couch, it's going to be hours. Yeah, it's no good.
5: Hmm. Uh, it messes up with your sleep rhythm, Gary. You gotta I gotta know. watch that stuff. I know. Um. <laughs> all right. Next. Uh, so Trevon Walker. I like that multi-tooled. Wink guy, um, you know, jo- Joe Judge won't be there to make him tape tennis balls to his hands and run backwards. You know, we yep. can we can do this thing live.
4: <clears throat> All right. Travon Walker to the Giants who go defense twice here in the top seven. And that brings us to the Falcons. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Marcus Mariota is fine as a bridge guy. I know you're higher on Mariota than possibly anyone outside of his immediate family. But uh, <laughs> it's it's just tough. The, the, where I land with him is he's back with Arthur Smith and Arthur Smith runs a very quarterback friendly offense, but we, we saw this, we saw this in Tennessee and it just didn't, it didn't work out.
5: Yeah. It wasn't good. The first time it was bad enough that Ryan Tannehill took over and yeah. looked so much better that he earned like a four year, $120 million extension, you know? So, um, yeah, uh, I, I think they, I think they have to take quarterback here. I don't think that there's really a choice. I think that, they're the only team in the draft this year that I can 100% point to and say you're taking a quarterback. If they didn't, I'd be stunned. I'd be absolutely blown away. Got to get a second pool full of pudding. <laughs> what was it? Wait, what was the first pudding one? I will if if the Texans, if the Texans do something uh at the behest of Lovey Smith. Okay. And and you got to prove it to me. <laughs> which is how I'm protecting myself so I don't have to buy this pool and fill it with vanilla mm-hmm. pudding and swim in it and put it on YouTube. But uh, I will do that, unless the Texans want to send me the pool. But let me tell you something. Because of the pandemic, it's really hard to get uh, pools. can't get pools.
4: Really hard to get a pool. Plus, you need someone to install it or, or dig it out. I'm guessing you get above ground at this point, just so we're all on the same page here. Uh, but someone's got to do it that night. Yeah, I a mean, great in, in, way. In, in like a three hour span. thats You need like multiple teams of, of dudes to do that.
5: Yeah, yeah. So uh, if the Texans want to arrange all that, uh, they can go ahead and do that and uh, we'll see what happens, you know?
4: <laughs> so stylistically, uh, we're looking for a, you know,. Arthur Smith wide zone type of quarterback here. Uh, Malik Willis fits the bill just fine. He's something of, you know, I I think you can mold him in a number of ways, but uh, you can, you'd feel good about dropping him into this offense, I think probably more than, than most uh, in the league right now. Uh, Other than that, you're obviously, you're looking at, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett. If you are worried about Kenny Pickett and his hand size and what's going to happen when, Uh, It gets a little chilly out when it's jacket weather. And can he still hold on to the ball or is he just going to be all fumbly? Uh, You know, they play indoors and they play in the NFC South. So if you like Kenny Pickett, he makes sense there as well. Um, And those are, yeah, I mean, those are probably your your top two, uh, I would think.
5: Yeah, I like Willis uh, slightly more because I think there's more of an upside um, and I think there's more untapped potential. I think what what's the stupid phrase like Pickett probably has the higher floor, but Willis has the higher ceiling. Right. Yeah. I think that's probably the the thought process there. And if you're the Falcons, you take a big swing and, you know, you get a guy that at worst, um, you're going to be able to run uh, some mobility stuff with and, and, and get by and, and kind of mess with some offenses in the meantime. Mess with some defenses, I should say.
4: Very good. Malik Willis, Liberty quarterback to the Falcons at eight. That brings us to the Seahawks at nine. Another quarterback needy team, although another team that also needs quite a bit here. And they are coming back into the top 10. Uh, They lost a first round pick in the Jamal Adams trade, and they end up gaining this one from the Broncos in the Russell Wilson trade.
5: Yeah. um, Interesting team. Interesting spot. I don't think they're drafting a quarterback. What do you think?
4: I would be open to a Malik Willis pick here, but uh, a- again, I- I'm just looking at Willis. The shorthand is I could see Willis as being a guy who, I don't know, 25% of the league looks at and say like, well, this is a this is the kind of guy we want. This is the kind of guy we're going to roll the dice on. Uh, and if it's not him, it's no one. So... Yeah, if, if they are one of those twenty five percent of teams, they that's not much of an answer I'm giving you, Connor. But uh, my answer is maybe,
0: <laughs> but yeah.
4: probably not.
5: Yeah. Um. So I, I'm I'm gonna say this. I'm gonna say I think Seattle needs edge presence, and there's lots of good edge guys there. They have their pick of of versatile linebackers um I I you know do you overdraft Trevor Penning here um do you come up for an offensive lineman possibly but those are kind of my those are kind of my avenues that I would that I would look at here um I mean we're trying to kind of put our John Schneider hat on too but mm-hmm. I mean gosh they just need they need so much, you know. They've they invested a little bit in free agency and in the defensive interior and the edge and in linebacker and corner. But I mean, this is uh, this looks like kind of a, a quick tear down, rebuild thing. So you probably you you take whatever you can get at this point that's going to be good for the future.
4: Yeah, you're probably looking for premium positions here. Uh, you know, Kayvon Thibodeau out of out of Oregon, mm-hmm. uh, speed the power guy. Maybe not. Uh, maybe not the the full on uh, Von Millery edge bender. And then Jermaine Johnson, who is probably a little more of an edge burner than uh, than Tibedo And you know, it's just it's gonna if it's down to those two, it's kind of a matter of taste at that point.
5: Yeah, I would say if anybody's gonna take. Uh... Thibodeau, it it would be Seattle. But I, again, Jermaine Johnson fits more of that like Bruce Irvine vibe that, that we've yeah. seen the Seahawks draft edge guys from in the past. That said, you know, my Seattle's information on Thibodeau is just going to be better than anybody else's. I mean, it's going to be really good. They're right there. Um, they have so many connections to the program. Um, they could be able to suss out the truth on him. But I don't know. I You need big impact with these picks, and I think that this is maybe the big swing that you take here. If not, he's fallen. He's fallen a little bit in our draft.
4: He is. He is. Uh, let's do Jermaine Johnson here to the Seahawks then. I I, I like stylistically uh, how you sort of set that up. Um, so, yeah, Jermaine Johnson to the Seahawks at 9, and we are back to the Jets for a second time at pick number 10. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. You know, we we had them going with Iki Ikuanu uh, in round one there. And again, the real interesting thing to me is, you know, Robert Sala is a guy who came from places that built up, you know, I should say came from a place in Seattle that built up that defense without the help of a lot of, you know, sort of high first round elite talent. Uh, in San Francisco, I mean, things really turned around when they got Nick Bosa in there. Now, it also turned around when Fred Warner became uh, a star and he was a day two pick. So I do feel like Robert Sala is probably still saying, well, I can identify these guys. I can find the the inefficiencies on day two and go from there. But it's a, it's a really interesting spot because obviously they, they have a lot of needs defensively at this point. And you'd love to find, you know, are you looking at Devin Lloyd or Nicobe Dean and sort of being like, you know, this is my this is my new Fred Warner or something like that. Or or do you look at a Kayvon Thibodeau and say, you know, yes, Carl Lawson's coming back, but we still need that help on the edge.
5: I think uh, I think they go edge here. I think that Robert Sala was pounding the table for an edge in the draft last year. And if Elijah Vera Tucker wasn't there, and they needed him more desperately to function as an outside zone than they needed another edge because they got Lawson in free agency. Um, but I I think he pounds the table for an edge here. I think he needs another edge rusher badly. Okay.
4: We're probably looking at a Kayvon Thibodeau then, mm-hmm. unless you, you got an affinity for uh, Ger- George Karlaftis out of Purdue uh yeah and then you're getting down to the project guys the uh the, the boyer mafe the the you know maybe two years from now type of dudes
5: yeah i do have an affinity for george Karloftis, but i don't know if the jets have an affinity for uh for george Karloftis. but uh i mean Thibodeau is one of those players that like oh, gosh if you're if you're joe douglas it's like you have to realize like you're not getting this guy in free agency, even if he becomes available like a guy. Like, you you're gonna to have to take a big swing on a tools guy at some point, and this is probably the guy that you take the swing on. I mean, the guy that we all thought might have been the number one pick in the NFL draft a couple months ago.
4: All right. Kayvon Thibodeau, number ten to the Jets, which brings us to the commanders, and I don't know, you probably have a better sense of this than I do. I thought Carson Wentz was kind of a lottery ticket scratch in the same way that a lot of these uh, quarterbacks in this draft class were. It, to me, that kind of signaled that they were taking a year off from
5: uh, uh, from drafting a quarterback at this point. They could. Um, I would view them, I, I would view the commanders as like, with Rivera, like, you're always going to be, like, you're never going to be so bad that you're going to get the number one pick, right? But you're mm-hmm. never going to be so good. Um because you don't have a quarterback, right? And I just think you're going to forever be in that middle range. And you're also probably so scared off by the idea of trading the farm to move up for a quarterback again after what you did to RG3, uh, did with RG3 organizationally. that That's probably not on the table for them. That's the only reason I had them taking a quarterback. Um, That said, I mean – there's a million different options here. I mean, Ron Rivera could just be like, "Yeah, you know what? I'm I'm just going to keep winning with running the ball and defense, and this division's going to come back to me because it's not as talented as everyone else thinks it is."
4: What uh, what are we looking at for position needs outside a quarterback?
5: So, Commanders need a lot of help. They need a uh, uh, they they went off ball linebacker in the first round last year. They could probably do it again this year, um, and I think we'd all understand that they need safety help. They need cornerback help. They need They need a running back. I mean, they need a they need an every down guy if I think they're going to run the ball as effectively as they want to, um, which is not going to come in the first round. And they need another wide receiver. I mean, Terry McLaurin is, by the grace of God, just going to work every day there uh, willingly. And so um, I think I don't know how much longer that's going to last. But, uh, yeah, they they need a lot of help. Um, If you're Rivera. He told me at the combine, which I thought was interesting, that he tries to come out of every game 33-33-33 man zone pressure. So would you want that second corner? Like, is this where you take a big swing at like a Derek Stingley and, you know, you play him over like William Jackson, you know, or something like that? Like, and, uh, you know, because you have Kendall Fuller on the other side, like Kendall Fuller, Derek Stingley, and then, you know, you have what? Bobby McCain in the back end. Like, you know, this isn't a horrendous, you know, it's not a horrendous secondary. It's actually a pretty decent secondary.
4: I like the thought of Stingley here. And again, you don't want to get too, uh, you know, too caught up in the, well, three years ago, we thought he might be the number one overall pick type of thing. I, he played two seasons since then. But uh, I continue to just suspect that uh, he did not have a whole lot of, I don't know, impetus to put his body on the line for a 6-win LSU team over the last two seasons when he was basically just biding his time waiting for the NFL draft to come uh to become eligible for it. So I like Stingley a lot here as the as the home run swing and uh certainly you feel good enough about Rivera uh and and what he does there that you know you're going to get the best out of your uh you know your sort of question mark young cornerback here.
5: Yeah, and it helps I think you know, uh, the NFC East is a terrible division, but if you're looking at it strategically, you're like, if I have two good corners, I'm pretty much matching up against everybody fairly well. I mean, the Cowboys aren't scaring me at this point. I mean, it's, it's CD lamb and what else? I mean, maybe if the Eagles and we'll get to them later on, if they add to their stockpile there, I think maybe it gets a little interesting, but if you have two good corners in that division, like I think you're doing pretty okay.
4: All right, let's do it. Let's, uh, Send Derek Stingley Jr. to the Washington Commanders.
5: Sorry, Derek.
4: And that brings us to to the Vikings and the first draft of really a fascinating general manager, uh, Kwesi Odolfo Mensa. And, uh, you know, this is is like a mini reset going on here in Minnesota. Uh, Obviously, you know, Kirk Cousins is probably not the long-term answer. But he's a fine, like medium term answer at this point. Uh, that said, you know, two years ago, we all felt really good about the personnel they had on the defensive side of the ball. That's not really the case anymore. Uh, it's kind of been a revolving door at cornerback. Uh, Jeff Gladney, a couple years ago, does not work out there, uh, ends up with the uh, domestic abuse uh, allegation that uh, that gets him removed from the team. Uh, they seem to have a lot of needs in the secondary, which really came on fast.
5: Yeah, I mean your number well, I mean it's what, you know, you have Cam Danzler and Patrick Peterson. Um, but Patrick Peterson was really a Zim guy. I mean, that was sort of the attraction there was going mm-hmm. there because he liked the way that Zim stylistically ran that defense. It's a different look now. You know, it's a whole different feel, but I like them on paper a lot more post free agency. Like, I mean Harrison Phillips might have been one of my favorite signings of free agency. I thought they did a really nice job there. And then Cedarius Smith still obviously has some juice there, but I don't think that precludes them from taking a cornerback or um, an edge an edge guy um, in this draft or or a linebacker for that matter. But I kind of just see them leaning in that direction. Like the offense, you almost want to see what Kevin O'Connell can do with your assembled personnel, they're like, yeah. w- would you rather would you would you want to get somebody in there for Adam Thielen at some point, you know, and start breaking in that secondary option? Yeah, I don't know how much longer he's going to stay healthy and productive, but and, and and you find yourself right in the meat of the wide receiver class like you could break break in the wide receiver market if you wanted to here. But I also think linebacker, I think uh, edge, uh, I think that there are some options for them here, you know?
4: Looking at our best availables here at this point. Yeah, you have to, the receivers probably start to come off the board around this time. Uh, you know, you had that Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr combination there for just so long. Uh, Kendricks obviously still playing at a very high level. Uh, you wonder a little bit, about how much he has left in his prime. And then obviously Anthony Barr is still uh, a free agent at this point, and it certainly doesn't seem to be in the plans. They bring in Jordan Hicks, who seems to be more of a stopgap type of option there. Ah, oh, boy. So, yeah, you know, uh, Devin Lloyd and a Kobe Dean. I mean, both those guys make sense, I guess, I don't know. I guess stylistically you go with Lloyd alongside I was gonna Kendrick's. Say that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
5: And I think you'd want I think you'd want the additional like I mean the, a lot of these teams are indoor teams um in your division and stuff like that, but I think playing in the NFC North like you'd want the additional size, the thickness. Um mm-hmm. Dean is a little bit smaller, Lloyd is a little bit bigger and he can double as that edge rusher um and so I don't know. I I I like Lloyd there. I mean I, I had all my inside off-ball linebackers coming off way too low in my mock, so I think this is a good opportunity to get one of those guys off the board early. There
4: you go. You'll be right in one spot. Boom. I think all the linebackers are going to go uh, kind of early-ish late. <laughs> Devin Lloyd to the... <laughs> 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 to the vikings we've got uh, i don't know about 9 more picks to go here on on this uh, portion of the mock draft series uh we're back at the texans who pick up this pick in the deshaun watson trade uh again the texans are a uh, need everything type of deal here they uh in our world took kyle hamilton with the number 3 pick and uh they're back on uh, uh on the clock here nikobe dean to me, feels like the kind of program builder you would drop into that team and, and sort of go from there. That said, obviously, you you do want to figure out what you have with Davis Mills uh, in the event that you want to take a quarterback next year. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe you don't want to wait. Maybe you like one of the quarterbacks uh, on the board at this point.
5: Yeah, I mean, Houston, we have no idea what they're thinking. Like, no idea. That's one team that I just have no pulse on. Um, I saw some report the other day that said, you don't think they're building around Davis Mills? They just re signed Brandon Cooks. And I was like, boy, that's a weird thing to say. Um mm-hmm. but uh they need a receiver. Uh so if you're building around Davis Mills, I think this is the receiver alley right here. This is where the receiver run starts. That said, um, boy, you're uh you're in a rough spot with your middle line your inside linebackers. I mean Kirksey and Grugier Hill, um, who I actually liked a lot, Um, Blake Cashman, you know, like, uh, so I don't know. I I think maybe you go Nicobe Dean here, you like the way that he he can kind of, like you said, I mean, you need so much. This is going to be like a four or five year thing, Um, and if you're going to be playing a lot of nickel, a lot of two safety, you know, he's a guy that can hang on the field for three downs, you know?
4: The way I would logically look at this roster composition at this point is you're looking at the receivers and you're saying, well, we have a fast guy in Brandon Cooks who will play forever, maybe, and uh, we have a big guy in Nico Collins, and we need a third guy, but we can wait until, you know, day two uh, to, to find that third guy. I, I uh, Boy, I hesitate to say this. Uh, culture is such a big thing down in Houston. <laughs> Uh, And, you know, whatever. I mean, look, the kind of guys they brought in last year were, you know, guys who were going to buy in and, you know, not the most talented. uh, But, you know, they were going to buy in and do what they had to do and they wanted to be on the team and and all that sort of stuff. So Nikobe Dean gives you kind of the best of both worlds in that he's a guy who, again, we don't know him personally, but he has a reputation as a as a big time leader, big time culture guy at uh, Georgia on a just historically great defense there. And now you get a guy who has that attitude, but is also really good at football. So that would really intrigue me if I'm if I'm Nick
5: Casario saying that culture is a big thing in Houston is not an untrue thing. uh, But it would be like me saying, uh, you know, barbecue is a big thing at Burger King. You know, like Mm. they they like the flame grilled uh, feel of the Whopper, but we all kind (laughs) of laugh at it because it's it's, you know, theoretically, they
4: want a good culture there. (laughs) Yeah, theoretically Burger King
5: wants to be good barbecue. Um <laughs> but uh yeah, Nicobe Dean, let's do it. I already typed it in so it's too late. No no turning back now.
4: That that was actually that was your veto power on the 13th pick, but uh I just went in and did it. Uh <laughs> Nicobe Dean Georgia linebacker to the Texans and that brings us to the Ravens at 14 who uh, find themselves in in kind of an interesting spot where, uh, you know, this is a team that sort of forever seems to need wide receiver help. Uh, They were caught off guard by the Orlando Brown Jr. uh, trade demand last year and they never quite, at least in the short term, address it. I know they got Morgan Moses. So, you know, now they've addressed it. Yeah, baby. Now it's over. Uh, but defensively, you suddenly just have a lot of question marks here. Uh, obviously, they you know they, they spent a uh, first-round pick on Patrick Queen. You have Marlon Humphrey. You have Marcus Peters coming back. You probably feel pretty good about what is coming back here, but uh, for so long, they were so big and so dominant up front, and I don't know if that's quite the case anymore, and maybe this is a, a chance to start rebuilding that thing.
5: Yeah, I was going to say, like, maybe, you know, a George Karloftis here. Um, uh, the wide receiver market is tantalizing here, but I just don't know where these guys are going to fall. Like everyone's in love with Drake London, but I don't know who needs like a jump ball 50, 50 guy right now. You know, yeah. Garrett Wilson is good, you know, and he might help them a little bit more, but they also want to see what they have in, um, in Rashad Bateman too, who, uh, was kind of banged up for uh, a large portion of last year. So, Boy, this is a tough one. One thing I like about George Karloftis is that I think he was double teamed more than almost any of the top DNs in in football, uh, or at least the top DNs that we're talking about as an edge rusher mm-hmm. and still put a lot of pressure on people. So I think um, I, I think he's better than we've given credit for. He's a pocket pusher. You know, the you would view John Harbaugh as probably more of an a traits guy, you know, like speed off the edge, like, like a boy, Mafe kind of guy. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I I do think edge linebacker is kind of out of the question. I think we got those guys out. Uh, Stingley is, is out of the question. So, you know, I don't know if McDuffie is really your, your guy there. Um, so I don't know. I think best edge or best receiver, I think are, are, are my thought processes for the Ravens right now or offensive line. You could go Trevor Penning here. You could go
4: Trevor Penning here. Uh, I was going to throw out Jordan Davis as just a very Ravens-looking guy who they would uh, plug into that defensive line there. That look—it's—it's it's still good. I don't want to overstate it, but it's—it's it's aging. I mean, it's you know, it's Michael Pierce, Calais Campbell, Derek Wolfe. Uh, you're gonna have to get younger uh, at some
5: point in that group. I forgot about Jordan Davis. I had him going in the top ten of mine. Yeah. He's good. I mean, and the Ravens would the Ravens would find ways to use him like like we we talked about in our positional preview show. Like there's obviously the concerns about how often he's going to be on the field. But, man, there's such a pri- there's such an emphasis on toughness in that division, you know, um, and you're going to have two teams, really two and a half teams that are going to try to run the ball down your throat every time you face them. So, boy, I don't know that that sounds good to me.
4: It's also, you know, it's one of those things. Okay, you know, you're probably going to rotate him, uh, pretty heavily early on, like he was at Georgia. But uh, if you're looking at the rest of that defensive line, yeah, you probably want to rotate uh, Calais Campbell and, and Derek Wolf as well. So, um, yeah, I I like Jordan Davis there to the to the Ravens, and I'm gonna I'm gonna type that in there, make it official. Georgia defensive tackle Jordan Davis. Goes to the Ravens, which brings us to the Eagles, who are now down to two picks uh, in the first round here, both in the top 18. We'll we'll get to them uh, again in just a little bit. But, yeah, what uh, what are the Eagles looking for at this point?
5: So here's what I've found interesting. The Eagles, I was told last year if the plan was, and and this is kind of how it shook out. The plan was we need one of the Alabama guys, so they need Devonta Smith or Jalen Waddell. Um, and if not, we're going to bail, uh, out of the, out of the, out of that pick and, uh, and take a cornerback, Mm -hmm. uh, best available cornerback. So, uh, they got their first guy. Now I wonder, do you, do you take a swing? Do you go third straight first round wide receiver, uh, and double down on Jalen Hurts, um, or do you try at some point? I mean, I know they have some young guys that they like at corner that they're hoping will develop into full time corners, or do you take best corner available? This to me feels like this like the receivers are gonna start going right here, you know? And I would be surprised if Harry Roseman leaves another pass catcher on the board here.
4: If you're talking stylistic compliments, you know you're probably looking at uh, Drake London does make a lot of sense here, yep. uh, playing him opposite Devontae Smith, uh, and we all like stylistic compliments. It's kind of what we live for here. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, again, J.J. Arthago Whiteside, who is moving to tight end now. Not that he was going to factor into the receiver uh, rotation there, but you know, they the, Jalen Rager was obviously uh, a miss there in 2020, and you know, Quoz Watkins, I thought did some nice things. Uh, and you'd probably be satisfied with him as your number three receiver. Uh but yeah, you do need that that
5: second dude here. I wonder if you almost you make Rieger like I'm not saying Debo Samuel, but maybe it just you know, you just hand him the ball out of the backfield or you toss him the ball out of the backfield. Gadget you know? guy. Yeah, like and you to use see him that. as your gadget guy, you know? Yep. Um and you do something like that. But yeah, I'm good. Um uh I'm good with whoever you want to pencil in there as a uh as a as a wide receiver, although I I do have right of first refusal here. Um, I mean Garrett Wilson is probably the best, all around receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, but I th- and so here's here's my pause with Drake London. Does does he do too many of the things that like Dallas Goddard already does that's, for you?
4: That's a good point too. Yeah.
5: Like and so would you rather Garrett Wilson and you play him off of that, or would you get like, I mean. Do you feel good about the information that you're getting on Alabama guys? And do you take Jamison Williams, who might have been the best receiver in this class before the the late injury?
4: That's a good call, too. Uh boy, Jameson Williams is is really interesting here. Obviously it all comes down to the medicals with him. But, right uh
5: the reports now as we stand, uh <laughs> which are probably being leaked by agents who want their guys to be drafted as highly as humanly possible, um, is that he's gonna be ready for the season. Um Let's assume that that's true. Uh, we'll we'll just be working off that assumption. Unless mm-hmm. there's a way, is there any way you can get Jameson Williams' medical chart, Gary, really quickly on your phone?
4: Uh, let, me, let me Google it.
5: Do you have yeah? Do you have any access to up. any recent MRIs or CAT scans? Yeah. yeah. Ask Jeeves. He's got it. <laughs> uh. So yeah, I've have, I have first refusal of power here, so I might first refuse. Drake London. I'm gonna assume Jamison Williams is healthy and you put boy, that's that's hot, right? You put Yeah um you put Jalen Hurts with two star Alabama receivers, Dallas Goddard. Whew, I like that.
4: That's, uh, that's
5: that's a fun looking offense.
4: Boy, I like that you had you had right of refusal there, but you did exactly what I wanted you to do. I Suckered me you. in.
5: Mm-hmm. Pew, pew, pew.
4: At 16, at 16, we have the Saints. They're going to pick at 16 and 19. So we're going to be redundant quite a bit here as we wrap up this show. Uh, and they, yeah, they they hop back up to get in this thing. And no one's quite sure why, because no one wants to hop up in this draft. But here we are with the Saints at 16. I mean, it's a it's a quarterback area, I suppose. It's also a wide receiver area. We know that's a major need for them. Uh but yeah, I I don't know. What's what's your gut feel here on the Saints?
5: I think if you're the Saints and you want a quarterback and you have these two picks, you have to take the quarterback first. Yeah, because um, you can't. Um, the, 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 this is the exact same thing as much as I disagreed with it. Um, this is the exact same point that Dave Gettleman made when they had the two first round picks. Like, I can't. I can't know that, you know, Daniel Jones might be there, you know, but then I can't take him second and then be like, Oh cool. He's still there. You know, nobody else wanted him. Like you have to have some assertiveness here, you know, and you have to take your guy here. Um, It could be Kenny Pickett. I, I liked Matt Corral there um, just because boy, he gets rid of the ball fast, you know? Um, And not that it's Drew Brees-esque, but, like, the release is quick. It's mm-hmm. it's on time. It's accurate. Um, you could scheme something up. Good with him there. But I, I'm good with, uh, you know, Pickett. I like him, too, there because, like you said, dome team, you're not concerned about the hand size as much, some functional mobility like there is with Corral, and he's a little bit thicker, so you're not worried about the injury, and you're not worried about the past injury uh, issue stuff. Uh, so... I think you got to take your quarterback if you're going to take your quarterback here though. Okay.
4: I like what you uh, bring up with Matt Corral here. Again, I feel like we're going to end up trying to find this sort of a warm weather. Don't be for Kenny Pickett. So that he doesn't have to throw all his passes like a, like a soccer throw in or like a sho- <laughs> a series of shovel passes, shovel pass only offense. I that's, that's your only choice if you're playing uh, in, in the Northern part of the country. But uh, I do like Corral, uh, uh, I mean, look, I, I don't like any of these quarterbacks, but I do relatively like Corral as a as an option and a fit here in New Orleans. So let's do that. Let's do Matt Corral out of Ole Miss to the Saints with the 16th pick, which brings us to the Chargers. Who, uh, oh, boy, what a what a nice spot for the Chargers to be in. Uh, you know, you you've sort of rebuilt the defense quite a bit. Uh, maybe you wanted an off-ball linebacker, uh, probably. Probably not one in this area, but uh, you got some right tackle options.
5: Yeah, Uh, you know, Trevor Penning uh, is there. Uh, And I mean, this feels like as much as we had mocked a a left, a future left tackle to them last year. Mm -hmm. And that felt pretty open and shut. Close the books on that. I mean, I think the Chargers are probably taking best tackle available here. Penning is good. You got rid of Balaga. You know, you're going to need you're going to need a guy in there right now. I mean, they've been talking up uh, some other options, um, you know, in-house options. But I think that's probably just what you do. Um, You know, I think this is I think this is a sensible spot for O-line.
4: All right. How about uh, Trevor Penning here out of northern Iowa?
5: Trevor Penning, it is.
4: Excellent. Yeah, I. I. You know, I I just like the thought of, you know, a year from now, they're going to be paying Justin Herbert. You're not going to be able to go out in the free agent market. Well, salary caps are lie to an extent, but uh, you're probably not going to be able to go out in the free agent market and and find your right tackle there. So get your dude in on a rookie contract and uh, and then you're in a pretty good spot. Agreed.
1: Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to playing dirty sports scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: The Eagles, once again, we just had them taking Jameson Williams. Uh, I just want to talk about the defense real quick because Jonathan Gannon did not do a, uh, whole lot of blitzing last year. This is a team that was very blitz averse, especially early in the year. They kind of rolled it out a little bit in spots as the year went on. Uh, he was also. I thought he did a perfectly fine job. I thought he had a solid first season as defensive coordinator there. Uh, boy, it seems like a lot of Eagles fans would disagree with that sentiment, though.
5: Houston Texans interviewed him for their head coaching job. I mean, which is not. It's I not, mean, <laughs> I, was gonna say, yeah, I was like, I was like, wait a minute, is that a good <laughs> thing? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Because uh, uh, they also, yeah, never mind. Mm. Um, I think they interviewed a lot of Chick fil A GMs too. But mm-hmm. um, uh, so I don't know. I. I think there's a really good edge rusher on the market. I think that they went Hassan Reddick, which sort of tipped their hand on, they went Hassan Reddick in in free agency. uh, And I think that sort of tipped their hand on what we know we need, you know. And Brandon Graham now is 34 um, and is going to be playing on the other side there. And as good as he's been for you, you know, uh, Fletcher Cox is getting old. Like, I think you're going to need some pop there on that uh on that defensive line I mean Karloftis is available or you know cuz you know to me I view like Trent McDuffie is a bit of a reach still I think he's a back end of the first round guy um but I don't know I could be um I'm I'm ready to be um I'm ready to have my mind changed The only other person there I could probably see there is is maybe Dax Hill um we've heard the uh, Malcolm Jenkins comps there and it's a player who stylistically fit really well and did some good things in in Philadelphia for a very long time.
4: Yeah, for that reason, I, I always like Dax Hill on the spot. But uh, I do like the thought of I mean, look when they when they won the Super Bowl, it was that front four, and that front four is is getting up there specifically Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, who were really the uh, you know the stars of that unit. So. I think Carl Aftis makes a makes a lot of sense here, even though you have retained Derek Barnett and you have brought in Hassan Redick. If you are a team that is you know going to rely on playing a lot of coverage and need to uh, load up on guys who generate their own pressure, I, I think Carl Aftis fits that mold.
5: Bing bong, as one would say, there goes George Carl Aftis, mm-hmm. one of my favorite players in the draft.
4: Uh, so that was number 18 to the Eagles, three picks to go. We have another, uh, another repeat here. The saints, we just had them taking the quarterback in Matt Corral and look, they're, they're staring down a bunch of pretty good receivers at this point in our, in our
5: exercise. Yeah. Chris Olave, um, man, Drake London is still here. You know, if you're thinking about building around Mike Thomas, then Drake London probably isn't your guy. Um, you know, so I like some of the other guys that could play off of him uh in an offense like this. And man, there's there's some fun God, there's some fun players left on the board here. Traylon Burks is still there. Uh Chris Olave. Um I I'm I'm happy uh if I'm the Saints based on how this shakes out. So thrilled with the uh the trade up that we all panned. <laughs> uh, the yeah, I, I really hope
4: they take a receiver in the first round because it's gonna give us such an indication of what they think about Michael Thomas at this point. Uh, if it's Drake London, if it's Traylon Burks, it's, that's kind of a signal that they are ready to move on and find their next Michael Thomas. Uh, if it's a, you know, Chris Olav is, is certainly a guy who is sort of a, a pure, downfield threat, uh, the guy you'd kind of compliment Thomas with, I think Wilson would loosely fit in that mold as well, though I think Wilson is much more well-rounded and, and look, I if you're if we're looking at these guys, I think Wilson is the most well-rounded and probably the, uh, the guy who has the best chance of becoming a true number one of the receivers remaining here.
5: Yeah, let me go back and correct my pronunciation on Chris Olave by the way, not Olave. <laughs> I uh, uh... My hooked on phonics uh, <laughs> skills aren't aren't exactly <clears throat> silent e. What is this? <laughs> um, so I don't know. I mean, I like everybody. Like you know what I mean. I,
4: I <laughs> trade, trade back into the first round again. I, mean, I know. I, I might. Say, I mean, I would say for sh- I would anyway. say for shorthand. If you are keeping Michael Thomas, you take Garrett Wilson. If you are replacing Michael Thomas, you
5: take Drake London. I would say you're keeping Michael Thomas and I'm taking Garrett Wilson. That's what I would say. Only because Michael Thomas was like very excited about the trade when it happened Uh, on Twitter. He was like tweeting, like, yeah. And like, I don't know if he's just like us where he's just bored (laughs) and like, yeah, uh, something to talk about or tweet something. Yeah, uh or uh if he knows something we don't know, which he might.
4: All right, so that brings us to the Steelers at 20 here, uh obviously a team that needs a quarterback.
5: Yeah, what do you do, you do that here? That's that's my big uh I have a weird feeling they're not going to do it. I have a really weird feeling they're not going to do it.
4: I think they are well, I, again, I I think they are going to do it. I think they'll do it in a second if if Willis were to were to be around in this spot. Uh, I mean, there's a very close relationship between the Pitt program and the Steelers, and I don't know if it's it's incredibly lazy, but I'll say it anyway because I'm kind of a lazy guy. Uh, considering how well regarded. Kenny Pickett was at Pitt for all the right reasons. Even before last year, when he had the breakout year, he was still a really highly regarded guy in that program. Uh, you know, it just—I would think they probably heard a lot of good things about him, and and would probably feel pretty good about transitioning him in there. And you know, again, that they're in a spot where they can just sort of start doing the uh the the scratchers at the 7-Eleven, see what they come up with.
5: I don't don't think they're going to draft a quarterback. I don't, I just don't. I think that I, I I don't know. I don't know why I don't, I just don't. Where would, uh, where would you go?
4: Uh, if you were not going quarterback, I mean, let's start with that.
5: I would have traded up and gotten one of the, uh, linebackers or, uh, you know, or, or, or somebody like that, but I, I might go defensive interior here. Right. And so, uh, if I was going defensive interior, I mean, I had Devontae Wyatt going to Pittsburgh. I think he mixes up what you're doing there pretty strategically. I think he adds he adds a lot to the fold there. Um, I just like I can't shake the idea that they won't do this. Do, do you do you feel that at all, or do you think that they're definitely going to do this?
4: Well, I feel somewhere in between there. I feel it <laughs> – like, definitely or definitely not. Yeah. Uh, I think they are likely to take a quarterback. I Look, my gut feel is that they'll take Kenny Pickett if he's here. And, you know, you're you're walking into the season with Mitchell Trubisky, which, you know, I, I, I'm totally fine if you want to try a year with Trubisky. Uh, to me, Mason Rudolph is just not an option. I think he's your, your third quarterback, and I don't know if they – you know, I don't know if he's in the long-term plans to even be on the roster at this point, but uh, I think for that reason they they try uh, they try Kenny Pickett here.
5: Well, my hands are tied as we've uh, stacked this judici- judiciary system. You have uh, first refusal here. <laughs> uh, Devontae Wyatt will just have to. You'll just let him go to Bill Belichick, and here we go. You know.
4: All right, I'm going to do it. I said I was going to do it, and I'm not going to back off now. I'll be seen as a uh, soft on law. <laughs> <laughs> Worst thing for a politician. You're soft on
5: law. You're one of those like you're one of those uh, weak need uh, assistant district attorneys in law and order. You're just <laughs> we can see right through you. You're just you're just one of these chicken chickens who are going to draft Kenny Pickett.
4: No, that means no, I'm not soft on law now i'm uh uh i'm i'm da mccoy right
5: oh, that's uh, sam your... watterson yeah don't give yourself that much credit jeez <laughs> ben stone from the <laughs> real old school oh man uh, who's no the best uh the best ada from law and order <sighs> maybe well i'm talking about svu too though right
0: talking about about I'll I'll allow
4: it
5: Cabot you know um, there's so many Uh, there was like
4: (laughs) there are so many they've done so many seasons of so many different versions
5: I would say this is really uh, Harry Connick Jr. was for a very short period of time really Uh, yeah but Casey Novak was number one I mean Seasons five through nine, that was the series wheelhouse. Casey Novak was was obviously your best. She's good. One. She's good. Yeah. Um and uh or uh Alexander Cabot, who's maybe your your most popular classic, like two PM on a weekday, what am I watching? You know, uh Law and Order S V U thing. You Wait, know? Who's who's Alexander Cabot? She's like the classic. She's seasons two through five. Um and then she disappears. Uh, there's like an explosion and uh, she takes on a drug dealer and then goes into witness protection.
4: Right. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So. I got gotcha. you. All right. S- speaking <laughs> which, of the Patriots. It brings, uh, brings us to the Patriots, last one of part one of our series, uh, the Patriots at 21. Uh, boy, you, you really want to give them uh, Devontae Wyatt,
5: huh? Well, I wanted Devontae Wyatt to be gone by now. But uh I have a lot of problems. I I had mocked them an inside linebacker, but I don't think either of the two that we have gone right now are stylistic fits for what Belichick wants to do. You know, he's a tough he's a tough guy to peg. And if I'm Belichick, I'm looking at this receiver class, like I you know, you did some work there, but um, you know, there's still a lot to like there. I mean, you have Olave, you have uh Dotson you have Drake London who are still on the board I mean you know and I mean Traylon Burks you know all these guys could theoretically help Mac Jones too and you know I don't know I don't think he's averse to trying another swing at a first round wide receiver
4: yeah Olave Dotson both uh kind of fit here I I I don't want to make it sound like Devontae Parker is your solution for the next decade. But uh, obviously they, they went out and got Parker, another big bodied guy along with Kendrick Bourne uh, and another guy who, who, you know, gives you some blocking value on the, uh, on the outside as well. But yeah, I, I think again, because we all love stylistic compliments, I, I think my gut is Olave, but I think it's gotta be either Olave or Dotson here. I, I don't know if it, makes sense to go get Devonte Parker and then draft Drake London or Traylon Burks.
5: I agree. Um, I say, let's, let's take Olave off the board here. Um, you're building around Mac Jones. I think if you're Belichick, you probably figure you're going to, he's going to, he's going to draft some like versatile safety from like, nebraska carney that's going to play there for 11 years and in the second round and everything's going to be fine defensively that's it's
4: roster building 101 that's right all right connor that does it for part one of the mock draft series we're going to be back on wednesday first thing wednesday morning with part two gosh we're going all the way down to pick 102 what a what a thrill ride this is going to be
5: (laughs) and we'll complete our rankings of law and order district attorneys
4: The MMQB NFL Podcast is Connor Orr and B. Gary Gramling. We are produced by Shelby Royson, SI's executive producer of podcasts, is Scott Brody, and our senior podcast producer is Dan Bloom. Mark Ravick is emeritus editor of the MMQB Super Bowl champion. Andy Benoit is the founder of the MMQB NFL podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this feed on Apple Podcasts. And once you do, please leave a rating and review because it really does help other people find the show, which is also available on Spotify, Stitcher, SI.com, and wherever else you listen to podcasts.
2: to start listening.